And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flock drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you were right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, The hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. As we continue to stand, let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning, your word of living water. We pray that we would seek of that refreshment this morning for our lives, for today and for eternal life. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you take a seat, everyone. So in our two passages today, we heard of living Water, And we'll be focusing more on our gospel passage as that um, focuses in a little bit more on it. But as we go through the passage, and feel free to keep um, open on John 4, um, I want you to keep an eye out for, for, two, for two things happening, uh, two levels of reality. In all of these moments, what is the physical reality... But secondary, what is the spiritual 
reality of what's going on because sometimes those seem to come together, sometimes they seem to sit at quite different points and we'd be amiss if we didn't see the physical reality of what's going on and the spiritual reality. What's going on under the surface? What, what is the true meaning of what Jesus is saying at any particular point? So let's dive in from the beginning of the passage. And this is John's Gospel. When it comes to John's Gospel, nothing is amiss. Nothing is an accident when it gets put in. So at the beginning, it says that Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. And it said that he had to go through Sumeria which is an interesting idea, especially when you look up the map and actually there were three ways that he could have gone um, via uh, Judea to Galilee, only one of which went through Samaria. So when it said he had to go through Samaria, our ears should prick up that this is possibly not an accident. Yes, the route that went via Sumeria was the shortest at three days, not an insignificant length of time, but it was still often one that was less preferred. If you could avoid this route, you would. But Jesus has chosen and felt compelled to go that, through this route. The speculation is that God's spirit is guiding him, that the Um, interaction that will happen at the well is no um, accident. It's, um, you know, preordained. There has been this sort of spiritual nudge. I don't know if you've ever felt the spiritual nudge. I feel like I should just go outside and, and meet someone, you know. Or, you know, I should go and talk to that person. I don't even know what the conversation that will unfold. But you come out of it and go, yeah, God wanted me to have that conversation I don't know if I had that nudge um, earlier this week, but I had an unusual um, interaction with a few people. Um, It was raining earlier this week, and I felt like I should go for a run. I'm one of these weird people who does go for a run, and I like runs on hills and out out there. Um, And it was um, not great weather, and I have been running in my sort of nice summery shoes, and I had to get some hard... Um, fell shoes out for the run that I wanted to go on and I felt like I wanted to take a path that I didn't know existed but I knew it probably existed now probably uh, to some of you like what are you talking about this sounds outrageous but I I'd run from Lady Canning Plantation and I I'd gone up to the ox stones which are just above it and I was like I'm sure there must be a path that goes in a particular direction towards Totley Moor uh, and it was an intuition because it wasn't on ordinance survey um, But it turned out it was true. There is a path. Uh, And it went up, and I was like, where does this go? Where does this go? And I got up to Houndkirk Hill, if you know any of that. Um, I I had to look afterwards where it ended up. Um, But, you know, the path got smaller and smaller and more rugged, and the ferns were overgrowing, and sometimes they'd have to go through these gullies, and it it was good fun. Um, um, But I had no idea where I was going to end up. But, you know, I was... This is why I go for a run. People don't understand it. It's actually to discover something. It's to have a bit of fun. Um, I didn't really know why I was doing it. Um, But after sort of 15 minutes since I last crossed a real path, I came across two walkers, completely bedraggled, completely lost, and very happy to see me. 
Um, they were very unsure. They were on, um, you know, walking poles, not because they were really keen, but actually because they were sort of struggling with all of the gullies and things. And they said, does this path go anywhere? And I was like, okay, there goes the end of my run. Um, and I walked them back, and I walked them back to the nearest path, which took about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and they were very thankful because I then had to sort of help them reroute. They had followed this weird GPS app that one person could walk once, and you technically had to follow it, but, you know, there's never any signal up there, so they weren't even sure if they were following the right path. Um, and even looking at their map, I couldn't tell either. I don't know if that was the nudge of God, but maybe I felt like I helped someone out. I have no idea why I ended up on that path. But just an example, sometimes we don't know um, why we've been compelled or feel like we've um, felt that nudge. But that felt like a nudge to me. Um, And Jesus gets more than a nudge. I think Jesus, with his full knowledge of who he is uh, as the Son of God, is in line with his Father, But when it said he had to go, I don't think that's an insignificant moment. It sets up all that is going to happen. So when Jesus turns up at the well, um, it is a day and a half into his journey if you sort of look up the distances. So it makes sense that he turns up at midday, not a time you turn up at a well. Wells you would go to at the beginning or the end of the day. He's naturally tired. He's hot. I love the, you know, small details. These are showing his humanity, things that we can often overlook, but it's worth saying, you know, Jesus, fully human, was hot. He was tired. And he was alone with his disciples going out to get food from the town. But people didn't draw water at this time of day. So in, in a weird way, it seems fortunate that he's met someone at the well, because without them he'd have not had a way of drawing water. So this is our physical scene set. So Jesus asks for a drink and faces this response. How do you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? The subtext, we don't see eye to eye. You've rejected us as the people of Israel and we resent you for it. I don't know if you know the, particularly much the background between the Jews and the Samaritans at the time of Jesus, but a little background from a couple of hundred years before. There was two sets of exiles, um, which meant a lot of, all of Israel was taken over, but by two different kingdoms. The southern kingdom was invaded by Babylon, um, and the northern kingdom was invaded by Assyria, right at the end of the Assyrian Empire. Um, they were, yes, both invasions, but they were very, very different. The one from Babylon took away the leaders. The, the invasions were always worried about um, repercussions and uprisings, and so they had ways of dealing with it. The Babylonians would take away um, elites. They would take away you know, the educated, the, the highly influential. And so actually, that's why we have Psalms written from Babylon, because those educated, those people who would have been running the country from Israel were in Babylon. The Assyrians were different. They said that it was the populace that would bring around an uprising. So they would take out large swathes of people and they would put them somewhere else. 
and they would take people from somewhere else and they would put them in Israel in the hope that large amounts of confusion, lots of people who couldn't speak the same language, different cultures, different religions, there'd be just enough confusion that nothing would come about from them. That's what happened in the north and that's what uh, come the end of those um, exile periods from Babylon, the, the, the um, elites, those who are highly educated, came back and they came back to running um, Israel from Jerusalem. But in the north, the confusion continued. And so the Samaritans that we meet here were the sort of consequence of very different invasions. Uh, and we end up with, though they had come from the same people group, a rift you know in families when you, know, you grow up as siblings but you end up taking very different paths in life and you come back to each other in older life and you say, we just don't see eye to eye anymore. Ultimately, that's what we're seeing here. And, and the, the history is very, very complicated and I've given a sort of very shortened down version of what went on. But you end up with them asking the question, you know, we, we worship God here you know, a mountain further up into the north because we're not allowed into Jerusalem. And Jesus going, you worship that which you don't understand. At this point, you have become confused. We uh, worship that which we understand because actually we've come back and we've really realized um, where we have come from. Um, but there is a time coming. Uh, and he goes on from that moment. But that's the background of it. But she's then surprised by the request. Jesus goes on, If you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, he's hammering this home, yes, you should be surprised by who's asking, and yes, I know what I'm doing. Jesus is flipping the whole story on its head. And we talk about water, and we talk about living water. We talk about a physical realm and we talk about a spiritual realm as well. And so, Jesus starts talking about this water that she will never be thirsty again. Now, this is a physical conversation, but she doesn't realize the, the depths of it. But this living water actually piques her interest for another reason. Living water, that means that she wouldn't need to thirst. That would, would mean she wouldn't need to come to the well at midday. She could hide even more from the shame that she's hiding already. It unfolds that she's had multiple husbands and we don't know the reason why. Jesus doesn't question it anymore. But what we see, another layer is that as a Samaritan, she's an outsider to the Jewish faith. And she also has a backstory that ostracizes her from her own community. She's an outsider of outsiders. And the important thing is that this doesn't stop Jesus from approaching her. This doesn't stop this whole scene unfolding, seeming almost preordained from the time that Jesus left a day and a half before. So if she didn't need to come back to the well to draw water, 
on a physical level, then she doesn't have to show her outcastness. But Jesus isn't offering her something on a physical level. He's offering something on a spiritual level. So this living water that he's offering her, this is the opposite of hiding. This is life in its fullness. John, in his gospel, talks about living water twice. Um, He also talks about it in chapter 7. So I'm going to read the verses from chapter 7. It's going to illuminate for us what it's meaning in chapter 4. It says, Let anyone, from chapter 7, verse 37, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let anyone who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of a believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. And now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. So this living water that we're seeing is the Spirit. It's an outpouring of God's love, true life, true refreshment in God. And so this is the spiritual reality that is being offered to them, full life, even to an outsider, an outsider of the Jewish faith, an outsider of their own community. Her home life may have been messy, but this is what Jesus was offering. He didn't say, go home, sort yourself out, and when you come back, I will offer. That's not what he said. He offers living water, and out of that blessing comes transformation and a desire to to live in a completely different way. Notice that when she first heard of living water, she realized that that meant she could hide away. Yet come the end of the story, she's running around the streets telling all her friends or all of the people in her community who may have ostracized her what the amazing thing that she has received. What a transformation in that moment. Transformation wasn't the cause of the blessing. It's the blessing that she receives that is the cause of her transformation. I think sometimes we put the other two the other way around. Today we have two realities, a physical reality and a spiritual reality. And we do well to remember in all parts of life there are those two realities at play at all times. Not one or the other, but equally both true together. So today... Do we again need to receive that living water? Do we feel like we have run dry ourselves? I love that D.L. Moody quote. I don't know if you know it. He was quizzed on why he always prayed that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think they were trying to poke at him. He's like, well, you've been filled. Like, What's the point? Why are you asking again? He said, yes, I am filled, but I leak. Which is just a wonderful thing. Yes, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but I am an earthen vessel. I am not um, the complete work of God and I leak and therefore daily I pray for God's filling, God's refreshment in my life. And if we forget to ask, we forget to receive. And so today we can ask for God's filling of the Holy Spirit, that living water in our lives. So our prayer can be, fill me, Lord with your Holy Spirit, with the living water of your refreshment. That should be our prayer. And finally, are we being transformed by our encounter with Jesus? 
I always loved. This is the acid test. Has anything changed in our lives? This isn't about working harder. This isn't about sorting everything out and then coming back to Jesus. This is coming to Jesus in the messiness. And in the messiness, our lives being transformed by that encounter. Or as 2 Corinthians puts it, daily renewed. Daily renewal, daily transformation from the inside and from that is our outworking. And this is what we as individuals, as a community of faith, desire as we seek that living water today. Amen.